It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast. So go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. <laughs> but it, yeah, it is always interesting. Always interesting. Well, let's get started. So, sitting here in my office with John Graber from Graber Outdoors. John, how you doing? Doing good. Glad to be here. Excited to have the opportunity to share my story and, yeah, maybe learn, learn a few things. Yeah, thanks for coming by. This is going to be fun. Um, first, tell everybody listening what Graber Outdoors is and does. Sure. We are a uh, specialty company in backyard remodeling. I would maybe be the best way of explaining it. We primarily build Trex decks. We do a lot of outdoor living spaces, you know, stamped concrete patios and uh, screen rooms, etc. So our, our goal, our main mission focus is basically on building Trex decks, and we have a few additional items that we provide with that, but we're very mission-focused with Trex decking and Trex products, so it's what our, a huge part of our identity is built around. So, In case someone is not familiar with the Trex product, explain what that is. Trex is a very cool company, you know, going back to where I come from and, uh, you know, the legacy of, of uh, obviously sustainable and quality products. Trex, Trex is the longest lasting outdoor composite manufacturer in the market. Um, they started in the early 90s, a huge impact on recycling. They actually started off as a solution to recycling uh, garbage bags or trash bags. So literally in the first days when we did the Trex plant tour, they said, I think it was Walmart had blue bags at one point. When they were just a small company in the early 90s, they would literally be yelling down to their end, you know, more blue bags, less blue bags. And that would impact the quality or the, the color of, of, of their uh, boards. That's pretty cool. But obviously the environmental impact, but secondly, is, is their track record. You know, there was quite a few issues in the early 2000s with composite boards, uncapped boards being oversold and overmarketed, and there was some class action lawsuits. Trex was the only company, based on my research, that stuck around, settled the lawsuits, and actually took care of their customers. Um, the other two companies that were doing composite at that point went uh, bankrupt and ditched their ditched the consumer so the warranty was useless. So Trex is the only company that actually has a warranty that's worth following in my book. So with us building several hundred decks a year, I want to be partnered up with someone who has a warranty that's worth something and not just someone who has a piece of paper. Because it's ridiculous right now. You have three-year-old companies offering 50 to 100-year warranties on a product they've been making for three years. And you know, it looks good to the consumer, but it, it's serious business when you're doing the amount of decks that we are. You, we, we need a partner that, that's legit and has a track record to prove it. Mm-hmm. And Trex checks all, the bo- checks all the boxes on that part. So that's why we like to work with them and use the product. You really did your homework on them. Tried to. <clears throat> Tried to. What is it made of? Is it primarily plastic? 90% post-consumer recycled materials, so a lot of, uh, you know, obviously bags, a lot of uh, wood chips, you know, they, they're big on sustainability and they take any type of wood scrap, hardwood scraps and chew them up and put them in there, but 
the cool thing about a Trex board is over 90% of it is something that would get thrown in a landfill or used in another way that winds up on your deck and you're getting a 50-year fade and stain warranty and a 10-year Trex Pro Platinum labor warranty on a product that could very well be over at your local landfill. So that's just pretty cool. Nice. And obviously a lot of the taglines are doesn't warp, right? Doesn't stain, easy to clean. Sure. They actually uh, encourage us to avoid using the term maintenance-free. They want us to call it low maintenance. But you basically have to, I have a Trex deck. Obviously, you should be the user of whatever you're selling in order to have confidence in it. I have an eight-year-old Trex deck, and our deck gets destroyed. Two kids, German Shepherd, farm life. I mean, that thing gets beat up. <laughs> and it's looking good after eight years. So, you know, obviously, you need to power wash it once or twice a year for the sake of dust. But, yeah, you don't have to stain it. You, besides a washing once a year or twice a year, you basically build it and enjoy it. And the, the catch-22 is obviously these products are not paintable. So there's quite a bit of pressure and maybe a small amount of stress in making sure you have the color you want. Because, you know, a wood deck, if you don't like the color, you just paint it tomorrow. But with a Trex deck, yeah, it's going to be there for a long time. <laughs> so you, you want to be pretty confident in your color choices and make sure it, it's part of the grand scheme of things. And, you know, obviously cost is also an impact. The cool thing is with Trex Enhanced Basics, most people have this conception that a maintenance-free deck or a uh, composite deck is for the super wealthy. Not true anymore. Most composites are very compatible with a treated 2x6. In fact, during the pandemic, the Trex Enhanced Basics board was cheaper than a treated 2x6, so that was great for business. But you know, you, you have to walk people past that. And also, the, I think the bigger impact than the cost of materials is because of all these collapses and things on, you see in the news, the codes are taking decks a lot more seriously. So a DIYer can still build a deck, but it is super tough. So you have A, the increase of materials, and B, a major increase in oversight from local code municipalities. Between the two, your deck is gonna cost twice, if not three times more than the last one you built in 1997. So there's a lot of homeowners that, that have a minor freak out, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's a reality. But if done correctly with the correct warranties, you build it and you walk away from it. You're going to use it for the next 30 years. It's added a nice chunk to your home value and you're set. Mm -hmm. You can go golfing on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and your wife is going to have to find something new to nag about. So <laughs> but. Now, you didn't always... Um, we're going, to, we're going to get into your background. Sure. But when did you start using Trex products and not traditional wood? Sure. Well, I mean, you have to dig into where I come from just a little bit in order to understand that. So I, I originally bought this business from my dad in 2010, and it was a lawn furniture gazebo outdoor products business. And at that point, unbeknownst to me, obviously CNC routers were having a huge impact. You know, the chairs I grew up cutting out with a jigsaw. Now a CNC router will cut out 30 of them in an hour, and they're available at Nebraska Furniture Mart okay. for half the cost that it would take for us to make them. So when I bought the business from my dad, the model was broken. I didn't realize it. So it took me about two or three years to figure that out. So it became, became the question of how do I compete against the machines? It's like, well, it has to be customized work. You know, you build a lawn chair that's not customized. The machine can do that. So we sort of evolved from the gazebo playground equipment lawn care 
or patio furniture into building more gazebos and decks starting in 2015. And that's when we really got into the deck business full swing. And after, I mean, obviously experience is the best teacher. So I build a few decks. I use several different composites, and it became very, very obvious very quickly that Trex was the one that had, had the track record and the warranties that matched up with, with my lifestyle and my, my concept of building quality. And nice. that's really where it took off on okay. the Trex part. Um, and that's a great transition, John. Let's talk about your childhood. Let's talk about how you grew up. <clears throat> I grew up Amish here in North Missouri. I was born and raised in Holmes County, Ohio, when I was around six years old. My family, as with a lot of families are doing, moved out to the Midwest because of the high real estate prices. You know, in the, the Amish Mennonite culture, lifestyle, most people have farms. And if you I come from a family of nine kids, we, we went from two and a half acres in the middle of the Amish community in Ohio to 63 acres out here in Missouri and man, we loved it. We this was amazing. We went from a busy intersection to the coyotes yelling. <laughs> we freaked out about that initially, but that, you're, you're one of nine. One of nine. Okay. Yeah, I'm the youngest. Uh, I have three younger sisters. I'm the youngest of four sons. So, wow. Yeah, and you know, each one of us grew up in the woodworking shop. We weren't working. But we were out there every day, you know, around dad and my brothers paying attention, playing, building little stuff, you know, Duplos, Legos, Mm -hmm. huge, huge part of my development as a builder were Duplos and Legos. Um, Attended a little one-room schoolhouse. It's still up the street there. It's still in use, have eighth grade education. Used Strayer Upton books. They're like from the 1970s. So we would hand copy out long division. Wow. And things like that. But man, you you learned, you didn't learn a lot about uh, environmental impact, but you did learn how to read, write, and do long divisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that part was cool. But yeah, I just grew up, uh, always had a passion for building. I think really, and so many people, I think, struggle in uh tech jobs or customer service jobs or even sales jobs because you work and work and work and yeah, you land a contract or something like that, but you never really see the finished product. With with uh, with what I grew up doing is a huge confidence booster for me is you build something and then you have something. You know, if you build a chair, you're like, hey, there's a chair. I, I mm-hmm. built that chair. You know, there's a huge sense of accomplishment there. And I think that's where shop class or areas like that are a huge place to get young people involved because they can do something and actually see a finished product or actually see a finished result. And that, that has a huge impact on a young person's mind. But, but back to growing up, yeah, growing up, working in the woodworking shop, you know, horses and buggies, you know, we didn't have any electricity. So all of our tools were powered with pneumatic air and line shafts. Um, I, I still am not, a, I'm just not a farmer. I think that's where I went wrong. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I don't like horses. I like horses, but I don't like horses. Anyways, but, you know, growing up, driving big Belgium draft horses out in the field with a sickle hay mower this time of the year. This, this These hay mowers have a six-foot bar. So if you have 15 acres of hay, that's like several days of mowing hay, five foot at a time around that. And the longer the day goes on, the more tired the horses get, and the more tired you get. It it it, it was it was it built a lot of character. That's so definitely. you associate horses with the work day. 
with the work day. That's, so it's, it's less about the animal and more yeah. about what you had to do with the animal. <laughs> no, I, I, I do enjoy horses. Like me and my wife will still occasionally borrow or my brother lives up the street. He's still Amish. So we will borrow his a horse and buggy and go for date night or something. Like on a, on a oh, summer cool. evening, horse and buggy is super cool. January 8th when it's 10 below zero and you're trying to get somewhere. The romance is no longer there for me. But <laughs> <laughs> so you can go back and forth. Yeah. You haven't lost your Amish card completely. They not, haven't taken it from completely. you completely. <laughs> not completely. Obviously, they, they, they personalize it when, when you make that choice to, to move away from that culture. But I've, I've come to learn and see it from their perspective, as in to them, it's, it's, you're rejecting them. And sometimes, usually many times when we're operating from a place of pain, we don't have the ability to see the other person's side of the story, you know. And for us, it was it was more a story of we wanted, me and Cindy, my wife, wanted a little something different for our children, so we chose to transition away from that. And there, there's, there's a few interesting perks. You know, it, 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 it's interesting, and I maybe shouldn't even share this in public, but as being excommunicated, by the Amish, like they won't technically take a uh, any money from us, so Cindy has to sign all the checks because she's not excommunicated. So wait a minute, Did your wife grew up Amish. That's correct. Why is she not excommunicated? She's sneaky. I tell you, I don't know how. Somehow she tunneled. But she out married of, you. She married me, but somehow she snuck out the back door and no one noticed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wait, I'm so curious. So wait a minute. Do you literally go down on some type of list then? They 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 have lists. And well, obviously, you, I mean, and they're keeping yeah, track. you know, and you know, I, I have a I have a choice to make on where I do business. And from my perspective, it's simply a business perspective. If if I don't want to shop at that store, or if I don't want to buy from that person, I can go somewhere else. But I do believe it's a free country, and if I'm going to go there and do business there, and they want you to wear a pink hat and bunny slippers, then. You do that, and if you don't want to do that, right. you go, go somewhere else. Go shop somewhere else. Yeah, right. it's nothing personal. I don't think. So, how many of your siblings are still Am- in uh, Amish? Uh, I was going to say still in Amish. Sure. How would I? How would I? How would I phrase that, John? I would still, just say still, still Amish. Amish. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The funny part about that is, growing up, yeah, anyone who's not Amish is English. So you know you you oh, really? English if you're not Amish. It is wow, that's not confusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call someone in the Midwest yeah. English. But um, there, there's <laughs> I have two brothers that are still Amish, and uh, let me see here. I have two brothers. Is that it? Man, I can't even keep track of my family. There's two or three of the siblings that are still that are okay. still Amish, and you know the the cool part about that though is we can connect on our faith from from this whole Jesus perspective. I I respect them in their faith, and they've they've learned to respect me. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. If if they're happy there, that's the that's the lifestyle. My mom is still Amish. Obviously, she lives there on the farm with us. She keeps her buggy in my barn, so it's it's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. But you know, it, it's it's a lifestyle choice, and if if someone chooses to follow that lifestyle and their their faith in this whole Jesus thing is 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 important to them, then I'm like rock and roll, move, you know. But because I decided not to do that, I also think it would be sort of nice if that was, you know, that grace was extended in the other direction. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. We, mm-hmm. It's a it's a big world. We all have to make choices, and 
live with it. But I, but I love the, the culture and where I come from. Like we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and we are very intentional about teaching them the Pennsylvania Dutch, obviously for multiple reasons. So I don't want, hopefully, they completely lose the culture I grew up in. But second, you know, you read studies where you teach a child two languages under the age of four, and it's much easier for them you know, you raise a child bilingual, it's much easier for them to learn additional languages in growing up years. But, you know, the, excuse me, the, the whole culture of, of, of hard work, working what you gain, you know, you earn what you get. And I think the biggest thing culturally, us Americans have such a horrible mentality of trying to find the easy way. And the Amish are just like, screw it. We're going to do it the right way. <laughs> you know, there was this running joke when the pandemic hit in 2020. was like, should someone go tell the Amish? <laughs> like my, my grandfather, he, he's still alive. He, he's 96 years old. This dude is just tough as nails. He had the COVID. He had the COVID. He was at home under doctor's care, never went to the hospital you know, so there's they eat well. Mm-hmm. In fact, if if you look at this whole concept of, of of you know the nuclear family structure, raising your own food, trying to avoid Robert Kennedy, uh, I think he's currently running for uh, president. He is quite involved with the Amish. Most of them, the actual heirloom seeds that have not been genetically modified are in the hands of Amish because they they replant the same stuff every year. Oh wow. And they'll reuse the seeds. And then back in Pennsylvania, some of these seeds have been going for several hundred years, and they're very sought after today. Um, so, you know, you, you have the whole... The cool thing about the Amish is they're huge on solar panel. Like, my mom has a solar system because they're not hooked up to the grid. Well, wait a minute. DC power is good. AC power is bad. Don't ask me the theology behind okay. it. But. <laughs> Okay. okay. <laughs> but Dewalt battery tools, tools, solar systems. I mean, they are very cutting edge on living off the grid, living healthy, um, ethics, morals. I mean, they they literally, if the grid went down tomorrow, they would be impacted probably because their delivery trucks wouldn't show up. But as far as them eating, sleeping, they'd probably be fine. Mm-hmm. And all these people that all this making fun of them would probably have to go ask them, uh, <laughs> what do we do next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but overall, a cool lifestyle. I have a lot of fond memories and a lot of respect and appreciation for that culture. But, and how old were you when you left or got excommunicated? Oh, I think I was 25 or 26. I'm a little bit too much of an independent Thinker. The funny part about this whole thing is, so I grew up Amish, eighth grade education, and I am many times, going back to the whole business part of it, I am many times ahead of my peers in things like, you know, software, using things. You look at most contractors in, in, in my age group, or even older, or even younger, many times I'm ahead of the curve, so I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd at heart. And a lot of that comes from, you know, growing up, reading a lot of books, et cetera, et cetera. But... I many times am the first person to try out that new software and do that new thing. And I think part of it is is sort of a reaction to the way I grew up. It's it's I'm all I love new things. Like, can we try this? Can mm-hmm. we check it out? And and that really pushes me. I mean, obviously anyone who knows if the tip of the spear usually ninety five percent of the ideas are garbage and the other five percent are worth pursuing, but you have to do a lot of sorting. But I really love that part of it on trying new things and and being sort of ahead of everyone else is a big goal of mine. 
What's the process like, or is it a process um, of leaving the Amish community? Sure. It, it, it can be a little painful because, you know, you really grew up in a really closed environment, very, you know, relationships can be the ties that bind us and the ropes that hang us. So, you know, you're really, it's scary. It is super scary because you're like, wow. You know, you, 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 for us, it was more of a theological thing where, for me, the breaking point was, was it reached a point where they were wanting to excommunicate someone else for leaving. And I was like, from my faith journey, from what I understood my Bible, like I wasn't on board with that. And then pretty soon it was like, well, if you're not going to go along with that, you're, you know, you're out too. So, <laughs> so that was, that was a pretty cool story about Graber Outdoors. You know, I, I had this lawn furniture business, yada, 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 and it wasn't doing the best. And so I was working with a local, at a local builder and after hours and weekends, I was going home building lawn furniture and playground equipment. So this all sort of came to head and they're like, yeah, you know, you got to toe the line or, or move out. And I was like, well, so I, I had 30 days. This was your family that said this? My church. Your church. Okay. Yeah, family and church. So, and what, I, is, what is your mother and what what are your mother and father saying at this point? Uh, Dad is no longer Amish. He he is a little bit of a, a maverick in many ways. I maybe inherited some of his dispositions. Okay. But mom mom <clears throat> is still Amish. She's just a super sweet lady. We build a house for her there on the farm, and she lives. Mom and Dad are separated, which is also an anomaly in the Amish culture. But she lives there on the farm with me, but. Um, mom obviously wishes we were still Amish, but mom, we have a great relationship. Dad doesn't really care. I think dad never wanted to be Amish growing up and that may have fermented the, uh, okay. you know, the ideology mm-hmm. for me on my end. But, um, it, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting, you know, cause we're come to Kansas city daily, semi-daily and you go home and you pull off six highway and you pull into Jamesport, Missouri, and you're you're sort of driving into another world a little bit, and then you turn around and come back to Kansas City, and it, it's it it helps balance you. It helps keep you balanced. You sort of have one foot in either direction. <laughs> That's a good way of saying that. Yeah, it definitely helps balance you. I think, but so. Um, when when we talk about leaving the Amish community, you keep seeing excommunicated. Is that a process? I mean, is it... Sure. Is it legal within the Amish... Is there a legal process within the Amish community, I think is what I'm asking? Yeah, you go to any Amish community in the United States and they will usually honor that excommunication with with other churches. So, you know, you... I've... Like I said, this whole Jesus dude is pretty important to me and I've had to learn to forgive and let go of that and just not really personalize it. I view it as sort of their problem, not my problem. And I'm, I'm at peace with it. It, you know, it doesn't, I shouldn't say it doesn't bother me. It creates some awkward situations, but yes, you know, if you, if like you're at that point and you decide you're not going to toe the line anymore and you're a full card carrying member of the Amish church, then there's a process that starts where you either toe the line or, or you, you get booted. Mm-hmm. So I literally had 30 days. I quit my job on no, I handed in my notice on April 1st of 2015. And on May 1st of 2015 is when Graber Outdoors was really officially. Oh, wow. I had to make a living. I had huge payments. I, I had very little money. My brother, bless his heart, gave me, loaned me like $13,000 to 
to really get Graber Outdoors going. And I had 30 days to start. Everyone's like, well, what, what are you going to do? They're all like, you know, you, you idiot. You know, you're walking away from financial security. You're walking away from a nice career where you're at. What are you thinking? I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I do know what I'm not going <laughs> to mm-hmm. <laughs> It's one of those deals where, yeah, starting May 1st, I don't know where we're going with this, but we're definitely not going to be working here anymore. Right. <laughs> so that was interesting. But we, we just hit the, you know, hit the ground running. I, I mean, we were broke. I think at that point, we were, you know, we were still, this is just hilarious. I look back and I just laugh, you know. At this point, I was still in, in the Amish lifestyle. It was a very sort of a tough period. We were part of maybe what would be, you know, we were getting excommunicated by the Amish, but we were still clinging a little bit to the, uh, to the tentacles of that. So I was still hiring someone to drive me around, and I couldn't. I was broke. I couldn't afford anything. So we had these still good friends. With the name is Big Dan, or first several projects. We have this black Dodge Caravan minivan, probably a 98 model. You know, the ceiling's falling down from it. Uh-huh. And this dude's driving me around, and I'm over here dressed in my, my straw hat. You know, we're <laughs> locally, they're driving around bidding projects. And I still think the first several projects were mainly bought out of pity, maybe more professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it got us started. It, it right, got the right. ball rolling. It got the momentum going. And you look eight, eight years May 1st is just two weeks ago, and I look back now like, I can't believe I'm here. You look at the way I started off with, with basically a 30-day advance notice, and and uh, <laughs> wow. like I wake up every day like, oh my goodness, I, you know, now, now I have 20-some employees, multiple uh-huh. locations, 10 trucks, yada, 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 and I, I look back at that, and I'm like, if these guys could see where I started off, they would never believe this. <laughs> well, and what do what do they you hear now? What do they say? Well, you know, now now there's there's more and more respect there as they see what would be gone out and managed to do. You know, re- respect is a currency that, that resonates in whatever culture. Respect goes cross-culture. If you I mean you, you can do two things. You can either sit around and whine and moan and pity yourself, or you can go out and prove yourself. And if you go out and prove yourself, most people will wind up respecting that to some degree. I, I mean, like Jamesport Lumber is, is my supplier. They're an Amish business. Cindy signs the checks for them. I buy quite a bit of lumber from them. And, you know, we have a great relationship. They're good friends. Mm-hmm. But there, there's that. Mm-hmm. You know, why does Cindy have to sign the check? Well, <laughs> right. You know, but, but it, you know, I have that choice. I have that choice to do business there, and I have that choice not to do business there. So for me, it's really like, okay, you know, if I don't like this, I'll go somewhere else and buy my lumber. And if I'm going to put up with it, I'm not going to whine about it. So it, it's not complicated. But. I think some people listening might be shocked that there's still a thriving Amish culture. Um, can you speak to that? Is it, is it thriving and growing? Is it sustaining? Is it kind of plateauing? Is it shrinking? Cool story. The Amish are actually the fastest growing religious group in the United States. Really? We're having a little bit of a struggle with birth rates, in case you haven't noticed. I mean, you hear Elon Musk and them talk about populations declining. If this keeps up, the Amish will, in 100 years, take over the United States, I think. Really? <laughs> okay. I mean, they... they, they they are, you know, in many areas, they've, they've learned to adapt. Like my brother lives in, in Holmes County, Ohio, the place where I was born. And, you know, they've, they've adapted. They, they have a very, it's obviously built around culture, community, support for each other. And, you know, there's a lot of 
financial benefits to, you know, they have their own Amish banking system, their own insurance, and these are all nonprofits. So you're loaning money at 3% less than what me and you loan it at, and your insurance is a lot cheaper because, you know, there's, so there's a lot of benefits like that, but they, they are thriving and continue to thrive. And then the funny part about it is going back to this American culture of we want everything to be easier. You know, you grow up in that and they really do well in the business world because they're not expecting any handouts and any shortcuts. Like PPP loans, and I am fundamentally opposed to that as a form of uh, business welfare from my personal opinion, but they didn't take PPP loans. And they are doing well and continuing to do well because they do business the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and they work hard and they they f- are very creative on on overcoming some of those technology. Now, you look at over the next five years as artificial intelligence and things like that really come into the field, it's going to get tougher and tougher for them But if they don't want to have technology involved in their businesses. So either they're going to have to probably sell out to someone or bring on a partner that's willing to bring in that technology or something because, I mean, you look at how fast things are evolving in the business world Five years from now, holy shnikes, I can't even mm-hmm. I can't even wrap my mind around where we're gonna be at in twenty twenty eight, but so that could get interesting for them. But overall it it's a very, very cool lifestyle and they're they're human beings. They're they're most of them are great people, have a great sense of humor. You know, obviously it's a tourist town, so people drive in. They sort of objectify the Amish, but they're mm-hmm. they're, they're just human beings. They they made several different choices than maybe your English person does. <laughs> Quotation marks, but mm-hmm. they're independent. They're off the grid. They're healthy. They eat well. They have a strong family connection. They are getting a lot. In fact, culturally. In the last several years since the pandemic, as you see people looking back toward wanting more community and wanting more family, like they've sort of caught on what they're missing out. You see a lot more people looking at that and not so much being uh, disdainful of it as is in they have what I want. You know, obviously they're not going to buy a horse and buggy and, and uh, get off the grid, but that, that family culture, that, that, uh, you know, that culture of hard work and innovating and, and everyone working together, you know, that, that's huge. What is the conversion like going the other direction? Let's say someone like myself in their mid-40s who decides he wants to, can you, can you go the other way? Oh, yeah. There, there's quite a few success stories on that part. I mean, obviously, the language barrier is probably one of the biggest things, the Pennsylvania Dutch. But living simply, from my experience in growing up Amish, is is a lifestyle choice. Anyone can make the choice to live simply and live sustainably. Mm-hmm. You can go buy several acres. You can find a Facebook group or a group of people that sort of like have the same concept. You can build a house. You can collect your rainwater. You can set up your own solar panel system, you know, you can get an EV or you can find some form of transportation that's sustainable. That within itself... Wait a minute, you can use an electric vehicle? 
the Amish, not yet, but it, they, we, the running joke is they should be allowed to have Model Ts at this point. You know, if we're on that 100-year time lapse, the Model Ts should be... <laughs> Bless their hearts, but... Figure out how to use that pneumatic. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they'll, they'll do... Like, they can have skid loaders, so they, they, they're always running here and there and everywhere with, with skid loaders. Many people also look at the Amish women and view them as, as subjected mindless, you know, they are, uh, you know, for sure in the world we live in of, of feminists and women's rights, but they are, the Amish women are incredibly, many times they are the brains of the outfit. They're the ones doing the bookkeeping, making financial choices. The husband's out working hard. You know, they're, they're raising, my mom raised nine children. I think she should be nominated for sainthood, but I mean, my mom is not stupid. My grandma, she, her, uh, my grandpa died in the 1960s from cancer. So grandma had a farm and like eight kids that she had to take care of in some really bad times in the 70s. And I, I, I didn't learn this until reading her diaries after she died. She, she kept diaries. I was just, I read them just because I was wanting to get a glimpse into it. But she was, she was an, an entrepreneur, very innovative. She started buying material and bringing it in and cutting it up in small chunks and selling it to the other Amish ladies and she started running a small classified ad in in the Capper's Weekly, and these ladies would send their quilts to her, and she would, you know, they would do the hand quilting. They would quilt them and send them back to them. So I, I look at Grandma, and she she's one of my in, inspiring people in my life. Where she she was in a hard place, but she she innovated. She figured things out. Like she mm-hmm. she made it happen in the 1970s with a farm and a bunch of kids, and that that's not easy, mm-hmm. you know. So they're as far as transitioning, language is the biggest thing, but I think probably the, the second biggest thing is the mentality that I'm not going to try to find the easiest way. I'm going to do it the right way. You know, if, if, if sustainability is a big thing to you or if most people want to be sustainable but they obviously want to stay on the grid or most people want to eat healthy but they want to have, the, you know, the ability to go to McDonald's once a mm-hmm. week. You know, so if those things are important to you, it's very doable. But you you need a different mindset. You know, I'm, I'm very creative. And one of the things on the research I've seen, and we are very conscious about screen time with our children, is you, you set a kid in front of a TV, that, that kills their imagination, unfortunately. I mean, ADD and a lot, like the Amish don't have ADD, primarily because a lot of them don't vaccinate their children. And the second reason is... The kids are playing with sticks and dirt and yep. working and help milk. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not parked. The, the TV is not raising them. Obviously, today, it's not even TV. It's a smartphone or a tablet. Right. You know, it's so a screen. It's a screen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then you take someone who now I look at my childhood as a huge advantage. Yep. When I was 20, I looked at it as a disadvantage. You know, I, I didn't go to college. would have loved to play high school sports, things like that. But I look back now, I'm like... I have an imagination. I have a work ethic. I have a set of values. Like, you can't teach those things in college. You can't learn those things. It takes two parents. And if they quit teaching them at home, yeah, which is where it's supposed to be taught, it's yeah. supposed to be taught. You know, you don't teach morals and and this is a personal opinion in in college and school. Those come from home. School, like you said, is supposed to teach me reading, writing, and arithmetic. Sure. So I can go out in the world. House, you know, my home life should teach me how to be a good human. Sure, sure. And, you know, if you, if you have a mom and dad, I think that's the biggest thing 
I, I struggle with is, is a lot of kids are born dumped into daycares, you know, unfortunately because of the income gap, most, most, in the 1960s one dad could go to work and he could raise a family. Well, but that shit doesn't, I'm going to say that doesn't matter because my parents were divorced. Sure. And I had to go to after school care. Sure. And I had to do all that stuff. And I sometimes got forgotten to get picked up because no one knew what day it was. And it was not a smooth, um, it wasn't a, it was a wonderful childhood, but it it had, divorce has bumps. Um, Regardless, you can come out of that. You, you're not bound by it. No, I would agree with that. You, you know, it's a simple matter of, of we have choices, and those choices define who we are. And, and that's what I was going to say, and it goes back to that choice. And you said it earlier, Elon Musk and frictionless society, and, you know, the Amish don't see it as free. They just see it as the way. Yeah. You know, not how can I do this cheaper, easier, you know, with one foot, with one hand, while I also do this. No, let's just do it the right way. And, you know, you look back at business, and that has a huge impact on how I do business. Because many times, you know, even my sales staff, you know, many times we're estimating at a deck, and the homeowner wants us to do new flooring and railings. And I'm like, I can't because your your frame isn't safe. Your frame is not sustainable. The next contractor comes in, gives them a... And we've redone several projects like that, Mm -hmm. that two years later, the whole thing is falling down anyways. But the other guy didn't care because he just... Hey, we got to make a sale. We're going to sell them some flooring and railings. The fact that they're making a dumb choice is their problem. But you know, and and the, having that mentality and in, into how you estimate jobs and look at jobs and how you do work, I'm I'm not professing to be a, a perfect saint by no means. But we try to do things right and make help people make good choices. And in turn, over the course of time. That really builds reputation and those reviews get out there. It's hard. It's not easy. But if, if you stick with that mantra, it, it, it builds to something that gains momentum. And there's no doubt that your work ethic, your upbringing, your morals are going to play a huge part in your success as a business person. Uh, no doubt. That, that, but it's also a matter of recognizing it. Yesterday doesn't really matter. I mean, but... You're only as good as the last deck you yeah, built. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, in advertising, we say you're only as good as your last ad campaign. That 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 is correct <laughs> because you know previous history is the, history. <laughs> it's history, and you got to you know I got to make more choices today on whether I'm I'm going to stick with those morals or I'm going to start taking shortcuts. And you know that that's a daily choice. You we can't get too hung up on track record. I believe, but. No, just our Trex record. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> see what he did there? <laughs> so that leads me to one of my favorite stories. And this might be one of my favorite advertising stories that invo- and involves you. Oh. And our shoot. Our, vi- our, our film shoot. So we wanted to create a new commercial for you because I was not very pleased with the one you had previously. Um, it seemed like it was your first time on camera, and it probably was. You were very squinty, and you were wearing a hat, and you know, just a, I thought I could do a little bit better. So we bring you into a studio, and we shine like eight lights on your face, and you're still squinty as heck. Can't get your eyes open. We do this for like 45 minutes. I don't know. It might have even been an hour. Until you finally say, you have to remember... I didn't see electricity until I was, what, 23 years old, you say. 
<laughs> or yeah, camera flashes were not. Yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, but you literally said that you're like, I haven't seen. You go, you guys have to remember, I haven't didn't see electricity until I was in my early twenties. You said almost something exactly like that, and I was like, oh, oops, excuse me. I was like, oh my gosh, we are doing no, I. You know, because usually, you know, yeah, it hurts. Open your eyes, Mr. Graber, and you just need to get this shot, and it'll be fine. It'll be over with. It's like, that's a whole different approach, though, when someone's like, wait a minute. Not only am I not used to being on camera and having light shine in my face, but I'm not used to light, (laughs) number one. Or like you said, after you told us that, uh, that piece of fact, and uh, you said, you know, your wife hates birthday parties. She hates when you take family photos because you have trouble taking a family photo because you struggle with just the one flash. Yeah. And it makes sense. So what we did is we turned all of the lights way, 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 way down to where if you had the camera set at a, at a normal level where you would normally shoot, you'd be dark. It'd be black. And then he, he just completely opened up the iris that lets in more light into the camera and whatever he did on their end, they did on their end. But I know that's one thing they did is kept the iris open and turn all the lights in the room down. And it worked out. You were able to open up your eyes. And we were able to see the real John Graber without those lights affecting you so <laughs> adversely. I'll never forget the story. I'll never forget you saying that. Um, but it's also a testament to how we work. You know, I'm going to get the shot. I'm going to make it look good. Um, I was unhappy with the way it was done before. And, but I saw exactly, well, okay, well, here's why. <laughs> yeah. Here was the, the struggle wasn't real. It was more innate than anything. But, you know, we figured out a way around it. Yeah, that, that you know, you, you grow up kerosene lights, propane lights, you know, evenings, flashlights sometimes. And, you know, the, and then, or obviously even, even, you know, photos are highly discouraged in the Amish culture. So you're not used to camera flashes. Yeah, like like I said, my, my wife gets upset with me because photos flashes your eyes are always closed my <laughs> eyes are like closing and she's like no 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 <laughs> but it you know it it has it's uh it has it's diff- definitely different uh different pros and cons but yeah the the, yeah, the lights thing that that's that's a problem for me i, 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 don't, I don't do well with the lights <laughs> that was funny you know? it made sense it made complete sense and then it's like what do we do here? You know, I turn to the production <laughs> studio. I'm like, you guys, we have a problem. It's not him. It's us. And it's not even us. It's just life. Um, but the solution was genius. And I'm glad we figured it out. We made a great spot that obviously worked very well. Um, we've had great success with you. Um, yeah. You're way overbooked. Yeah, no, that that spot did did really well. I'm excited about next year and see what we can do going into next year but it uh i think that's my biggest struggle is is to a to have confidence in what i'm doing but b also you know there, there's a part of me that's still just that freaked out little amish kid that's still leaving the house in the morning and is like what's gonna happen today <laughs> well it really hasn't been that long it hasn't it, it hasn't been, even been 10 years yeah it's been yeah eight years to be exact you know and that's I mean, I'm sure you're not learning is the wrong thing, but I'm sure you're still discovering different things. Yes, yes. As in, obviously, you know, usually we most human beings make the mistake of assuming everyone else is like me. So, you know, the way I do business, the way I present myself, the way you just assume everyone, you know, like 
I mean, like going back to the discussion about, you know, looking at that deck and be like, no, you need a new frame. We can't just put new, f-. you just assume everyone else would do that. Mm-hmm. And then you catch on in sales that, uh, no, they don't. And then you have to, you have to recalibrate, you have to, you have to readjust or customer service. You know, that's one of the things that really has made our review board pop on Google is, is going back three years later and, and fixing that and taking that phone call and taking care of that person. And you just assume other people do that, and you realize, uh, no, they don't. Or even mm-hmm. the simple thing as answering the phone and returning a phone call within 24 hours. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be a miracle, but in, in my world, if someone calls you, you, you just call them back within a decent amount of time. Right. I mean, in most of the under 35 group today, you have to text them. If you call them, they're not going to pick up, and they're not going to call you back. And they're in sales. <laughs> right, yeah. And that's the kicker, and you're in sales. Yeah. You know, I, I find it, the, I think the most humorous thing is Alex, my, uh, my sales manager here in Kansas, a great guy. I love working with him. You know, he, he grew exact opposite of me, you know. So he's, you know, we're all big on tasks anymore. The smartphone generation changed that. We all have tasks for this and that. And I'll go on his, his view on the CRM, and he'll have like 30 tasks, 30, 40, 50 tasks. And some of them are three weeks old or something. And I realized, you know, he creating a task for him is pointless because he's got reminders from his phone. He's got reminders from his desktop. He's got reminders from the CRM. And he's not paying attention to any of it or very little of it. And, you know, it's just, I think that's the coolest thing for my part is, is to have grown up in a world without technology. I can really see the need. Technology is only useful if the person behind it has self-responsibility. Technology is absolutely, you can set all the reminders, all the tasks, you can do all the things. You can, you know, you can have Google remind you two days before you need orange juice, whatever it may be. With, without the actual person being intentional and being responsible, technology is worthless. It seems like so, yeah. It, it's interesting to to watch people in my age group and how they relate to some of those things. But how do you relate to technology personally? It's a tool. Do you use social media? Some, not a lot. Be- between uh, obviously two kids, a wife, and a business, I don't have a lot of time for a lot of things. Um, social media is a great platform for for marketing. Uh, I'm a big Twitter guy. My wife gets on my case about being... Personally, you are? I don't tweet. It's just my news source. Oh, okay. That's where I go for, for news. I try to limit that to 10 minutes a day. I have a little timer on my phone, okay. and then after 10 minutes, it pops okay. on. But that's usually... Twitter is how I stay connected to the world around me. Um, I love the ability for... Uh, the ability to use technology to do so much more. But yet on the relationship part... You know, we're all mere human beings, and we only have the ability to connect with one person at one time. And if you don't, relationships are still relationships. So with technology, obviously, you know, you can oversee more with technology. I can keep guy. I can keep, you know, I have daily reports coming in from my five production crews, from my sales team. You know, I can watch all these things, keep an eye on all these things, these things, monitor these things, financials. All those parts are huge. For me, probably my my biggest struggle with it is I, I about don't know when to quit. You know, we, we live in such a what's new yesterday is old old tomorrow, and and I'm constantly just like, oh, that's cool. Can we do? That? Yeah. <laughs> and and if you want it to be, it can be a twenty four seven society. Yeah, yeah. And that that's probably my and I I really have to give my wife credit. But you've she, really embraced technology. I mean, if you wake up and Twitter is your news source, 
you've gone from Amish to, you know, 100 pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, then again, there aren't – news source is a tricky word. Um, I don't know. It just seems interesting. But then again, given your age – how old are you? Re- I'm 32. 32. Um, given your age, you know, it's not too surprising. So you come out of the Amish community and you decide you're going to um, be English – <laughs> be English. There you go. Yeah. And what do you do? Do you go and purchase a smartphone? Do you go and buy a jean? What do you do? Um, Tell me about the first smartphone experience. Sure. Well, you first, you first, you got to look back at the whole the whole room springer thing. You know, when you're 16 or 17, and they allow you to have some freedom. I, I was actually the first person in our little town in Jamesport. Wait, was that the kicking off point? Well, you know, you go through room springer, and the plan is you go back and you join the community. You become a good Amish person. So okay. I went through Rumspringa and went back and joined the community, but then several years later uh, reverted back to. <laughs> but you know, it's this. It's this. But it's, honestly, does that? And I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say the word because I won't get sure. it right. Does that put the taste in your mouth of what kind of what? I hate to say what I'm missing because you're not missing much. Well, you are, but whatever. <laughs> it, you know, uh, or what kind of what the other English yeah. people are living like and. Does that light the fire? Yes and no. For me, it, it wasn't as so much that as I grew in my faith and started reading my Bible. There was there was some theological issues um, that popped up that probably led more to that. So it just goes back to Jesus. That for me, it does. Okay. For different people, different things. But then you know, from that point, it's like holy shnikes, I'm broke. You know, I'm I'm leaving. You know, the whole traditional Amish thing is your dad buys you a farm. There's a lot of financial benefits to it. You know, you get these low interest loans, yada, yada, yada. And also, like, I'm, I'm out on all of that. Like, I got to figure this out. I didn't know that was the Amish gig. Oh, yeah. I want to farm. Um, Amish are very financially well-to-do. And, you know, you, you work, you give dad your paycheck till you're 21, and then usually dad helps you buy a farm. And, you know, you obviously have the Amish bank where you can get some really nice loans. Your insurance is all... You know, so mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of financial stability there. And so for me, technology was, was what I needed to do to survive. It was probably more from survival is where I, I turned to, you know, in 2015 was starting my business. Like, I, I got to survive. I got to figure out how to reach people and how to sell jobs. What's the cheapest, most effective way to do that? So obviously a Facebook page and a mm-hmm. website started there. But as far as making that transition, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's just a it's a really weird feeling when you've spent your whole life watching other people drive through town in a pickup truck, and you're doing it for the first time through your own your own hometown. That 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 that's just a it's it's a mental block. I bet you do it several times. And it's like okay, this this is okay. I'm not getting hit by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Some rocks, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a few rocks and BBs. <laughs> but the, the the funny part was then, like I had mentioned, me and my wife, we like to occasionally borrow uh, borrow my my brother's horse and buggy for date night or something. You know? um, and then I'm the guy, the rebel, the guy who's left the clan. I'm driving down this F highway into Jamesport, and I'm meeting these Amish people in their carriages and. Like, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> it's a little bit of they're like, what is he doing? <laughs> but it, I think really the, the the biggest thing is 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 you have to. It takes some courage. Many times, like I said, in a, in a culture like that, in order to leave, you have to be at peace with the fact that you're on your own now. You know, 
you're, they're not going to come fish you out. They're not going to come help you. In fact, in some ways, they may try to inhibit you mm-hmm. or actually cause cause financial pain for you if possible. But you have to be at peace with that. And yeah, it's a process. It's really hard to do that in a healthy manner. You know, because obviously what many times happens is, is for young adults who leave the Amish, they've been told they can't smoke, they can't drink. And they shouldn't drive a vehicle. So they do all three of those simultaneously. They go buy a vehicle and they start drinking and smoking. And then they have their DUI like nine months later. And then they lose their license and then they can't go to work. And then they wind up going back to the clan because they can't have a job because they can't have a driver's license because they've, they've screwed this whole thing up. You know, and so that you go look and talk about Rumspring a little bit. That that cycle unfortunately turns many young adults back to the Amish because they get out there and they don't they don't know what to do. It's almost like a tra- um, I don't want to use that word. It's almost like yeah, I'm going to say it. It's almost like a trap that it gets is. them to say, "Okay, you get to go and do what you think you wanted." Oh, and it's going to just bring you right back home. Yeah, and you're going to think this is the best thing ever. Because you're going to realize how painful and how hard and cold and yeah. cool and angry and everything else that out the English world can be. Yeah. I, I Those think, handcuffs are cold and yeah. <laughs> police don't like when you drink and swerve. And, and that and your checking account balances don't lie and interest rates don't lie either. But I think there's just a real quick little story where it, it clicked to me mentally. Um, there's a lot of chicken farms around Jamesport. And obviously, when these organic chicken farms are done with their hens, they're called spent hens. People come and buy them. They'll haul them to uh, facilities to be processed and, and to be butchered. And I'm driving home from Chillicothe to Trenton, and I start coming across chickens in the middle of the road. And I meet this truck, and all the way down the road, I mean, there, there's dogs eating several of them. There's, there's uh, people obviously running over some of them. And just further down the road, so I I'm get out and I try to get the chickens off the road and I go up the road, there's a couple more chickens. Well, this truck had picked up these chickens and was hauling them and the back cover came off and the chickens were literally blowing out as he's going down the road. But, but the life lesson from it is these chickens have been in a cage their whole life. You know, I'm sure they've dreamed of what we would do if we were real chickens and we were outside. And they're finally blowing out of the truck. They finally have the freedom that they've thought their whole life they've wanted but they don't know what to do with it. And they get stuck in the grill they're, of a Buick. They're the middle of the road, and they're getting run over and right. eaten. And I, I saw that. I was like, that was me. <laughs> I was the chicken. <laughs> That's rumspring. Yeah. Here, you want out? Go. And here's a bunch of firecrackers and lighters. Yeah. <laughs> See you in 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> but if look, you want to come home, if, that is. If you want to come home, you, once you you're broken, destitute, and can't hold a yeah. job, then you're welcome home. But but that that mental picture always struck with me because I was like that, you know that that's if you take someone that's and a beautiful analogy, John. Keep them combined or keep that's, them really confined, and then the, you finally give them the freedom. Many times, unfortunately, they don't know what to do with it, and it winds up in turn wrecking their lives to some degree. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. I thought that was funny was it, when it clicked on me that I'm the chicken. <laughs> but you're the one who landed on the side of the road, had some time to think and evaluate. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. That's an animal that's eating my friends. These are giant moving vehicles that are killing us. Okay, let me stay here and figure things yeah. out a little bit. All right. Me and Larry and this guy over here made it. Let me get with them and see what their notes say. Yeah, but I think only God's grace allowed me to 
to get through that. But it, it was exciting. It was, it was exciting. But like for me, I think the biggest thing is I love new things. I love learning. I love, I love doing new things. So that part was exciting because I had like 20 years of that stacked up that I got to turn loose in several years. I look at what I did in the last eight You're years. You're still learning things, I bet. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Are you? Absolutely. Ab- cultural things, you know, you know, shaking hands or how to, how to engage with people in, in, in public. Um, I'm trying to think of some small thing that in, in the Amish culture. Uh, I had someone on the podcast last week. Her name's Mary McCauley, and she's doing the first digital art show in Kansas City. Cool. She got her first smartphone in 2017. Wow. So you beat her. Or excuse me, she beat you, however you want to say it. Yeah. She lived off the grid. Okay. In the mountains in Colorado. Wow. Literally. So didn't get a smartphone until 2017. And it's funny today, still in 2023, because there's things that I will say or do that are foreign to her. Like sure. she, Like she came on the podcast and didn't know what a really what the a podcast was and never listened to one. And when I, she asked, where can I listen to it? I said, wherever you stream podcasts. <laughs> and she thought I was being flippant. <laughs> like, where can I see, you know, whack a, um, uh, where can I watch um, Family Guy? Well, wherever you watch TV, you know, or wherever you yeah, see a screen, yeah. you know, she thought I was being flippant with that type of answer. And then, Later, she saw a banner or an ad somewhere that said, you know, or anywhere you stream podcasts. I'm like, no, that's what they say. You know, you'd, there's no point in listing eight to 12, you know, channels. Well, you can find me on Spotify, Pandora, Podmatic, sure. Apple Podcasts, you know. It's on my website. It's on LinkedIn. Sometimes we post them on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but little things like that. She's like, oh, it even says, and everywhere on the ad, it even said, anywhere you find podcasts. I'm like, you know, so small things from the way we phrase things to the way, tech, you know, new technologies or, um, but. But that just proves the point, though. Simplicity is a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily need to be Amish to be conscientious of what you're eating and to be simplify your life, minimize. I know minimizing is a big thing. And to be aware that the dangers of technology, I mean, technology is meant to be a tool for the betterment of the human race. And unfortunately, most of the people I meet and know don't know how to create an appointment on their phone, but they know how to play whatever stupid game you want to put in there. So, you know, we have a choice with what we do with it. If we use it as a tool and we set some boundaries with it, it can be very helpful. And if we don't, it, it will kill our brain cells and make us dumber, which is going to be an advantage to the people that are using it as a tool. So mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a choice. And we, but we need to be aware of the choices, I think. I think most people are unaware of, like you look at like Snapchat and artificial intelligence. They've just rolled that out in the last, I don't have Snapchat. I don't have time for Snapchat. But you know they have this AI thing. You can ask it questions. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some sp- Spooky, freaky stuff that yeah, it's weird, you know. So I look at that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know that much. That is good if I can tell it to create me a website, that'd be cool. But I don't want it telling my daughter. I just wish it would go away. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't get it off of your chats. Oh, they stay forever or what? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's me. I haven't figured out a way to remove the chat AI from the chat conversation. Do you know what I mean, Tim? The chat AI stays in your chat feed. You can't no. delete the chat AI from your feed. 
like if I have a conversation going with a text conversation with you and Tim, I can delete yours and just keep Tim's, or I can delete oh. both of yours. Well, in the chat, his 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 guy stays. Okay, he stays. Sure. Because I've even asked him, how do I delete you? <laughs> he can't tell me that answer yet. It, he or she or whatever it is. It can't. Yeah, I can't answer that. I made question. mine a female. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. it, it's and it, but it's also you have an advantage because you came from a place that was void of this, and it's e- very easy when you come out of a void to see what what is absolutely in a much differently objective manner um, versus being born into this. Um, you know, your children, of course, are going to be different because absolutely the way you're going to raise them, and and like you said, anyone raising a child today or any day has a decision of how they're going to raise them or themselves for that matter. You don't have to, I'm not, don't, don't know why I'm directing that at children. <clears throat> you can be a fully grown adult like myself and make a conscious decision to delete Twitter like I did. Sure. Um, I don't know how many years ago that was, you know, or limit my social postings. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's easy to have that perspective when you come where you came from. Well, and, and all of them are addictive, and that's what they're designed to be like. No. Me. Oh, I know. <laughs> Who would have thought? They create something that's addicting. And you're telling me if someone doesn't want to know what I ate for lunch today or how I feel about something, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, like I, we, we finally, I finally downloaded a, a, a uh, app on my phone where after I went, from, I, had to, I went from 30 minutes to 20 minutes, and I'm down to 10 minutes. I really need to go to five but like that, that's how I stay connected to the world. Like, I, I, I'll five if, on the phone itself, or five on, on like Twitter. Oh, go on Twitter. Yeah, okay. that's the only Just social on media I have, and I spend my five or ten minutes on Twitter, and, and I learn what I think I need to learn to be successful for the okay. day. And who does your social postings then for you? My secretary does. But you guys do a good job doing those on your own. She by does the way. a really good job. She does. She does way better. I always make sure I like them. (laughs) Hashtagging is, yeah, you're you're talking to a square carpenter deed. Hashtagging and and things like that are not part of my personality. I was curious. I'm like, he's really proficient. (laughs) He posts like every other day. It's good pictures. It's good hashtags. Like, man. She does a great job. She coaches the crew, you know, get good pictures, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, she's she's very, very on top of it. That's one thing that's hard for businesses to do themselves. Absolutely. Because we charge for that, obviously, as an agency. We do that for some of our clients if they can't get sure. to it themselves. But you guys do a really good job of that. And then you also have the danger of uh, you know, making a joke or something that may, may be funny to you, but it may be offensive to someone or it could create oh, you know, that, that yeah. one picture or that one thing. I think that's probably the biggest thing that scares me about social media is, 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 is it can be a, obviously a positive, but yet, yet uh, yeah, if you make a screw mm-hmm. up, like everyone's going to see it. Yeah, it's there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, what else? This has been really informative. It's been interesting. I think sometimes I don't have perspective. Like, you can't see the forest because of the trees. Like, I, 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 I'm just doing my thing, and I don't, I don't see the difference. But for me, I, I think, uh, obviously, hiring you guys is a big step for me also, but in, in delegating more. You know, I've been the DIY chief cook bottle washer that went from wearing a straw hat and driving around in a 98 Dodge Caravan with the ceiling falling down to here. And for me, that that's my next big challenge is delegate marketing, delegate this, delegate that, and find qualified people and trust them with those things. 
Do you hire Amish? Not really. I hire formerly Amish or ex-Amish, okay. as they're called. But, like, you know, it'd be taboo for someone from the Amish community. To work for you. Okay, to work that makes sense. Me. Yeah. I would love Cindy to. Cindy would have to tell them what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they won't would, listen to you. Yeah, I would love to hire uh, hire Amish guys, but somewhere down the road I could see that changing. But at this point it is what it is. Mm. Comes with the territory. Because you know, on the flip side, I, I could move to Minnesota. I could move to... There is absolutely nothing that forces me to stay in Jamesport, Missouri. Besides, I like the town and my family's there and I like living there, you know. So Do you miss home? I, I live at, uh, my, both of my parents finally gave up and left. I've literally lived at the same place oh, right. since I've been six years old. So they're like, yeah, <laughs> we're leaving. But, um, you know, so I don't really look at it as, as a, uh, from a victim perspective or, or that it was a, like I said, the older I get, the more I'm like, wow, this, this, this was great. But I want to learn from that and also give my children some of those building blocks where, when they're 15, 16 years old, they're obviously going to start making some of their own choices and doing their own things. But, you, I mean, you look at, and this is varying off subject, but Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have both said by the year 2040, if you don't have an imagination or a particular skill set, you're going to be on a fixed income. You know, you're not going to have a job. And then you look at that statement, and you look at his other statement of, of uh, screen time kills imagination, mm-hmm. and you watch these two trains heading straight toward each other. It's like how, you know... And you bring in the third part of a job or a purpose is something that really builds confidence in someone. And you look at the future and it's like, man, I want my kids to have an imagination and a work ethic. And what they do with it is their business, but I want to at least give them a fighting chance in, in the work world of 2035, where they at least have a shot at succeeding. You've paid a lot of attention to Mr. Musk, haven't you? A little bit, a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I struggle to believe that someone that wealthy is, has entirely pure motives. <laughs> but <laughs> I, do, I, do li- I do like a lot of his philosophies and things that he does. Mm-hmm. But, I do agree with you about, about yeah, acquiring a skill set, making right use of the technology, hedging AI a little bit, um, and redefining what it means to uh, be alert. Sure, sure. Because you, know, you look at AI, it could rapidly, I, I firmly believe within two to three years, we, we will be, we won't be meeting in people's homes anymore. It will be all be done in the metaverse somewhere. And we'll be drawing your deck up for you. And you'll be able to walk out and walk on your deck with your goggles on mm-hmm. and really be able to visualize your new deck before you've even bought it. And then you're going to pull your goggles off and you're going to have the same old crap wood deck out there that you did have. But, you know, from the sales perspective, that, that well, could And be that exciting. technology already exists and is being implemented in interior design and architectural yeah. spaces. It just is not going down to the um, direct-to-consumer level, homeowner level yet. Yeah. It, it's more on the industrial, municipal level. Uh, you'll see that maybe, you know. Um, I know portions of the new airport, for example, were built with that tech. Oh, wow. Headset technology. Cool. Um, in fact, if you want to listen to a podcast, we did a podcast with a company called Freedom Interiors okay. that does just that. They do AI, augmented reality, and artificial reality, and they will build you your new 
Graber wow. offices with your new Graber outdoor, you know, uh, work sure. studio, whatever, and you could put on their goggles and walk around your new office. That'd be sort of cool. <laughs> um, so it, it's here. It's very much here. And it's interesting what they've done, not they. When I say they, they them as an industry, um, engineers, architects, um, these planners, they're using gaming software, video game software to, sure. to use it. So the video, and what I learned through this podcast, um, if you want to check it out, it's with Gerald Solinko. Okay. Um, it's one of the earlier ones, earlier ones. You only have 23. But anyway... Um, it's uh, it's wild. It's like I saying it's it's here. I forgot what I was saying, but technology. Yeah, it's um, pretty much fully immersive. But you know, there again, you look at that, and the first person, the first deck company to have that ability. I mean, obviously, being cutting edge doesn't have the advantage it used to be. I think you have maybe a six month advantage if you're ahead of everyone else. Maybe three three to six months. But if you're the first guy that has that ability in sales and, and someone, mm-hmm. you know, it, so that that's really my biggest challenge, and I'm maybe foolish to think I can do it, but is to stay on top of those things for the sales and business, but yet have the understanding of the impact it has on my personal life and how to keep that. It has to be a tool. Mm-hmm. If technology is more of, if a technology becomes your lifestyle instead of a tool, you're screwed. I think. Well, unfortunately, yeah. We don't, I don't want to get too dark, but that's kind of where we're headed in some yeah. areas, in some industries, and in some societies. Yeah. But it varies person to person. True. And we, we all have choices to make, but it, it's definitely, definitely interesting. It's a great time to be alive. A lot of things happening quickly. <laughs> Every time's a great time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what it, can John Graber build me? Pergolas, decks, an outdoor kitchen uh, encasement. Yeah, mainly you know, decks, screen rooms, pergolas, stamped concrete. Um, we don't do a lot of outdoor kitchens. We, we work with people that do those because that's sort of a, a different... Obviously, you need plumber, electrician, that Gas line of stuff. Area. Yeah, but, but Trex's decks is, is what got us here and is what we'd like to continue to focus on. So a Trex deck, that 12 by 12 deck with a set of stairs, what most people view as consider a boring ho-hum. It, you know, we do a lot of radiuses, we do a lot of grass, glass railing and things like that, but the cold hard reality is a lot of those things. I, I'm sure you've seen the leaf deck where we put the big leaf in. I think I showed you pictures of that. We've got like a 30-foot leaf bent and put in a deck. Like that's artwork, but artwork is hard to be profitable with, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that 12 by 12 deck with the uh, set of stairs, that, that's what we love to do, and that, that's where we're profitable at. The other stuff is cool, makes great social media posts, you know, it gets you good for your ego. But at the end of the day in business, it's about profitability. and, and that It takes more by, crew, more time. And yeah, that, that 12 by 12 deck with the set of stairs is our, is our bread and butter, our meat and taters, as the good old boys would say. <laughs> but... And I'm sure, given the uh, when most homeowners hear the benefits of Trek versus, uh, we just call it wood. Sure. I'm sure they prefer Treks. I mean, usually you have to do some coaching and explain to them. Oh really? Uh, you know that. Well, most of them are assuming. You know, the, the the wife. Usually, the wife is the only one who. She's either got on his case and he's tired of her on his case, or he's tired of staining it, so he calls. But usually, they'll call. 
and they're just assuming this this Trex deck is going to be four times the cost of the wood deck. And you got to tell them, no, it, it's not necessarily four times the cost. Depending on what you pick out, it can be. But, you know, this this isn't necessarily a vast difference between a wood deck and a Trex deck. And you really have to educate and help. You know, sales, I always cringe when I hear someone say, I sold blah, 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 $100,000 last month. Like, you didn't sell anything. You just help people understand <laughs> that they wanted the product that you're selling. <laughs> you know, it's pretty egotistical of us to think we're convincing someone else of doing something we're not. But if you present that correctly and you help them understand their options and help them figure out what they need or what they want without being manipulative or deceptive about it, it's a beautiful thing. You're helping them, they're helping you, everybody wins. But it, it can be a, educating people on that is probably a big challenge on staying on helping them understand their options and helping them figure out what the good mm-hmm. the correct choice is but well shout out where can we, people find you uh you can call us at 660-654-3566 or find us on the website at www.graberoutdoors.com you can catch him on tv maybe this fall if not he'll be on tv next year (laughs) there's always that chance (laughs) well john this was a ton of fun um love having you as a client thank you so much for coming by um shake your hand let's get out of here sounds good thank you michael thanks john thanks for listening to the little agency that roars podcast be sure to find us on facebook instagram and on fasonipartners.com under podcast Be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks. Thanks.